0: with us today at Bay Area lots have has been going on here this whole month Uh, last week was the youth rally this past weekend women's retreat Robbie and about I think 20 some of our kids are down south uh, today at another youth rally Um, Mount more dinner coming up lots of things going on but today we're here to worship and we're here to fellowship with each other and honor God and we're glad that you chose to do that with us uh, today We have been going through this sermon series, the Sermon on the Mount, picking it back up today, and I keep trying to impress upon you how powerful and how practical and how applicable the Sermon on the Mount is. And I don't know that Jesus could have really talked about anything more powerful or anything more practical or anything more applicable than when He starts talking about the subject of prayer. Now, I don't want to waste any more time this morning than I have to, so we're going to jump right into the text as we begin thinking and talking about prayer. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then Jesus goes on and shares what has come to be known as the Lord's Prayer. But He's not done talking about prayer. He's going to pick the subject back up in chapter 7, asking it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? let me remind you of what we talked about when we began this series It's kind of a goal that we've set for ourselves and that is we don't want to just know better we want to do better we don't want to just get smarter we want to get better we're trying to close that that knowing doing gap Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount isn't trying to share these people some, some intellectual information he's trying to give them a kingdom focus so today we're going to talk about prayer and it's not just enough that we know about prayer it's not just enough that we know how to pray and it's not just enough that we know the importance of prayer and the the power of prayer we want to actually do this right we want to pray now in some senses everyone prays every single person prays even people who say they don't even people who maybe claim to be you know an atheist or agnostic, when it gets right down to it, when, when we get to the very end of our rope, we cry out to God. We're just hardwired that way. We're created that way to reach beyond ourselves in key moments of our lives when we feel like you know things are out of our control. And we probably all have examples of this. I'll share with you one of mine. By the way, I am not an atheist. I am a believer. When Martha and I were getting ready to have our first child we did what most first-time parents do we we tried to find out what was going to happen what to expect we bought all the books she read them actually (laughs) no what to expect when you're expecting we went to the classes here's what's going to happen you know you know here's what you'll do you know here's what dad here's what you'll do which I didn't do anything other than hold her hand and say you're doing great when Martha goes into labor with our first child, we go to Brandon Hospital, the doctor shows up, it's a good thing. We're in the room, the you know the doctor's cracking jokes with me, he's having carrying a conversation with me, the nurses are there, they're very chatty, very you know kind and gracious. Our child is born, Maggie is born, everything goes just exactly like we expected. It was, it was a beautiful thing. When we're expecting our second child, we didn't read the books we didn't go to classes the second time why not we know what's coming we're, we're, we're experts at this now been there done that now we know what's going to happen we know what to expect so Martha goes into labor with our second child we go to the same hospital we have the same doctor he's cracking the same stupid jokes thinking that you know I remember this from 18 months ago you no know, Everything's going just like it's gone before. The, The nurses are very friendly, very chatty, everybody's happy. And then all at once the doctor said, we have a problem. And the mood in the room changed immediately. The doctor wasn't talking to me anymore. He wasn't even talking to Martha. He was shouting orders to the nurses. They weren't chatty, and they weren't smiling. They were completely focused on what was going on. The cord had wrapped around the baby's neck and it wasn't getting enough oxygen to his brain. And for me, you know, the room froze and time really did stand still. And all I could think to do was pray. God, I need you here right now. This doctor needs you here right now. This little baby needs you here right now. God, please don't let anything happen to this child. And the doctor did what he was trained to do. The nurses did what they were trained to do. God did what I asked them to do. And really in just a few short minutes, little Will and big Tim are breathing normally again. Everything's okay. But we all kind of know that feeling, right? In desperation, we pray. We pray. That's just the way we're created. We reach out. You know, in desperation, we we reach out to God. But prayer's got to be more than desperation, doesn't it? I mean, prayer's got to be more than just some knee-jerk reaction to when catastrophe sets in. And for Jesus, it was. Jesus understood prayer. Jesus understood the power of prayer. He understood the importance of prayer. Jesus understood the importance of of prayer being a part of His life and His life being a part of His prayer. Now, if we're going to learn something about prayer, it would make sense to listen to Jesus, who knew more about prayer than anyone that's ever walked the earth. Prayer is this great gift that God has given to His children. It's a conversation between us and God. In one of my favorite psalms, Psalms 145, David talks about prayer bringing us into the presence of God. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him sincerely. David says God is close to people who are calling on him. Now, let me try to explain how being in the presence of someone shapes the things that we say and maybe how we act. A couple different scenarios that I can share. I can come down here and I can talk to Wilton. I can, I can speak to Wilton, Brittany, You guy sitting on the front row. Man, that is awesome. Do you have to pay extra for these seats, by the way? Do you have to get here real early? Okay, always open, right? Yeah. I can talk to Wilton. I can talk to Brittany. Or, I can talk in their presence. I'm not talking to them right now. I'm talking to you. But I know they're here. You know, Wilton and my wife have something in common. My wife actually loves Wilton because Wilton loves... The University of Alabama. <laughs> and he and Martha have this bond. Now, I'm not speaking to Wilton, but I know that Wilton's listening. And that changes what I say. And that changes how I go about this conversation. But if I were to ask Wilton and Brittany to leave the auditorium, hmm, that's different now, isn't it? Now I might use some different words and I might say something else about Alabama fans or Wilton in particular. Because it changes when the person that I'm talking about is not in my presence. Now, here's a chance for you to clear your conscience a little bit. I know how much you all love to do this. Just just honest assessment. How many of you, show of hands, have ever talked about someone in their absence using words or saying something that you wouldn't have said if they were in the room. Anybody? Anybody ever say something about someone? Just keep your hands up for a minute. Saying something about someone that you wouldn't use those words if they were right there. Sure. By the way, those of you who didn't raise your hands, you're the ones we're talking about. Now, when I'm speaking in front of someone, or I'm speaking to someone, I measure my words very carefully. I'm very guarded about what I say and how I say it. I filter what I have to say. And we see this all the time. Everybody does this. You go to a job interview. Here's a question you always get asked in a job interview. What do you consider to be one of your greatest weaknesses? Now, what are some things that you struggle with? how do we answer that question we all answer it the same way well uh, I guess one of my greatest weaknesses is I just work too hard <laughs> you know I, I'm just too kind I guess I'm too giving I guess you know what I struggle with is I just I'm so focused on the task at hand that that I don't let anything distract me you know before getting this thing done that's that's my greatest weakness really has anyone ever said my greatest weakness Um, I guess it would be that I'm just so stinking lazy (laughs) now I can sit on the couch for days and not move I can watch ESPN on a loop and, and never bat an eye my wife has to nag me for hours and hours to do the smallest task yeah that's probably my biggest problem my biggest weakness is you know I'm lazy that might very well be our biggest weakness but that's not what we say is it we we tell people and we say things that we think people want to hear and we say things that we think people expect to hear see when i'm speaking to someone or i'm speaking in their presence something inside of me gets triggered and i'm filtering everything i say through what i know that person is hearing so i'm not going to be completely honest and I'm not going to be completely open. I'm not certainly not going to be unguarded. But what we really all long for, what we really look forward to and would love to have, are the kind of relationships where there are no barriers and there's no walls. And I don't have to worry about what the person is thinking or what the person is hearing, where I can just be myself. Don't we long for those kind of relationships, where I can, you just get the real me. You know, uncensored, unfiltered, this is just my heart, this is just who I am. are the kind of relationship I think we all really long for. Now, we bring God into the picture. And of course the truth is, God never leaves the room. We are always either speaking to God or, or speaking in His presence, right? I mentioned one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 145. One of my wife's favorite psalms is Psalm 139 where David talks about the impossibility of removing himself from the presence of God. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the place of the dead, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. We can't hide from God. We are always in the presence of God. Another chance for you to cleanse your conscience this morning. Show of hands. How many of you drive differently when you see a policeman? Anyone? (laughs) Oh, yes, you do we instinctively back off the gas a little bit right and we start trying to remember all my lights working you know did I did I use my blinker Is my tag renewed we very courteously move into the slower lane why are you being transformed is it because you really deep down want to be a better driver no we all know why we drive differently when we see a police officer it's because we don't want to get a ticket. We don't want to be punished. But God doesn't want that in your spiritual life. God doesn't want you to live with this sense of a kind of a forced compliance, with this feeling of, of guilt and you know and, and, and uncertainty. God says, no, I want you to be free. I want the Christian life to be this wonderful experience. Uh, it, it's a very freeing life that I want you to have. But still, it's really easy for us to convince ourselves that we're not actually living every moment of our lives in the presence of God. It's easy for us to convince ourselves that God's not really paying attention to the things that we're doing. And Jesus knows that even prayer can be an instance where we allow this kind of crazy self-delusion to settle in. Have you ever? heard someone praying and they have a speaking voice and you know their speaking voice but when they pray publicly they have a whole different voice and they have a whole different vocabulary that they use when they're praying why well it's because when we pray somehow we're convincing ourselves okay now God's paying attention to me now I have God's ear So I want to say what God expects me to say in a way that God expects me to say it. As as, as if God hadn't really been paying attention to me all week. As if God doesn't really know what's in my heart anyway. As if God doesn't really know my vocabulary and, and my regular speaking voice. We remove ourselves from the presence of God until we bow our heads and say, dear God. And then it's as if, okay, now God's paying attention. And really we do this all the time. You know, when you think about it, every time we sin, we've got to somehow convince ourselves God's not really paying attention to me right here, right now. God doesn't really know, or maybe he just doesn't care what I'm doing and what I'm feeling and who I am every second of every day. See, Jesus is the perfect example that the object of prayer is not to get really good at praying. And the object of prayer isn't to set some record for how long we can pray or how impressive our words might sound. The goal of prayer is to live all my life and speak all of my words in the joyful awareness of the presence of God. I actually put a lot of thought into that statement. And I'm going to stand by it. In prayer... I want, to, I want to live all my life and speak all my words in the joyful awareness awareness of the presence of God. That's what prayer is about. For understanding that all my life, all that I am, all that I say, all that I do is in the presence of the Father. It's the real me. God knows the real me. You know, you certainly see this in the life of Jesus. In John chapter 11, Jesus is at the tomb of Lazarus, his good friend. Lazarus has been dead for four days. Jesus is about to bring him back to life. He knows he's going to do it. But before he performs this remarkable miracle, Jesus has a uh, remarkable prayer. Here's Jesus' prayer at the tomb of Lazarus. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Jesus is outside the tomb. He's looking up to heaven and he prays. That's right. Apparently you can pray looking up instead of looking down. Apparently you can pray with your eyes open instead of your eyes closed. But Jesus' prayer is, Thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. He said it for the benefit of the people who were listening, not for God's, not for His. Jesus knew, God, You are always here. You are always listening. Always, always, always. You are always responding. Always, always, always. You notice it didn't seem to matter to Jesus if He was speaking to the Father or if He was speaking to someone else. For Jesus, the the line between just conversation and prayer, very, very thin. Because he realized that everything that he said, everything that he did, was being done in the presence of the Father. And this is the part of the kingdom focus that I think Jesus is is trying to share with us here on the Sermon on the Mount. Sometimes when Jesus would heal someone, he would would speak directly to the person that he was healing. Sometimes when he would heal someone, he would speak directly to the Father. It didn't really seem to matter to Jesus who he was talking to because he knew that he was talking in the presence of the Father. He knew that the Father was always listening, always responding. And so because of that, he was never alone. And Jesus knew he was never alone. Look again at our anchor text. I'll put it back up here on the screen. Chapter 6, verse 5, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. When you pray, when you pray, when you pray. Now, a couple weeks ago, we talked about this same kind of uh, dynamic as Jesus was talking about generosity. Jesus is working on an assumption here. And the assumption is you're going to pray. You're going to pray. And when you pray don't do it to impress other people when you pray get alone with God when you pray don't use words that aren't yours don't don't try to be something that you're not God knows what's in your heart God God knows the real you and then Jesus tells us that there are times when we need to pray privately Go into your room. Close the door. Be someplace by yourself where you can pray. Now, sometimes it's really a good thing to pray together as a group. And you see instances of that in Scripture. Sometimes it's good to have a, a public prayer. You see instances of that in Scripture as well. But what Jesus is saying is there are times when you need to get by yourself and spend some time with the Father. Because... Because things change when I know other people are listening. Jesus says sometimes it's really a good thing just to be you and God. go into your room? Close the door. Calvin Miller does a lot of uh, writing. He uh, wrote about prayer and he uses an analogy that I want to share with you because I think it's pretty effective. He talks about the human personality being a little bit akin to the temple of the Old Testament. And some of you will be very aware with this. Um, there were different areas of the Old Testament temple Uh, different sections different rooms one place was the outer court just kind of around the temple everybody almost everybody even Gentiles had access to parts of the outer court it was pretty much a public place you have an outer court in your life there's a part of your life that's that's public everybody sees it everybody knows it when you go to work you go to school you go to the store you come here everybody sees your outer court they see the public you but then there was another section of the temple right in here that was called the holy place not everybody had access to the holy place that was a very restricted area of the temple you have a holy place. There are places in your heart. There are places in your life that you don't invite everyone into. Not everyone has access to this part of your heart and this part of your life, and you get to decide who does. A family, friends, maybe a very small social group. You make the decision who has access to this part of your heart. And there might be people who have a lot of power over you. It might be a boss maybe somebody you're obliged to in some way, maybe somebody you owe money to, but they don't have access to this part of you unless you allow them access to this part of you. You have a holy place. And then there's one more chamber in the temple, one very small, very carefully guarded section, it had a beautiful name, the holy of holies. The holy of holies one person and God only one person was allowed in the Holy of Holies just one and when he was in that place he was in the presence of God now here's the neat thing about you whether you're young or old rich or poor educated or a dropout you have one of these places you have a Holy of Holies You have a place in your life, a place in your heart where only God can get. Where only God knows and only God understands. No other human being can enter your holy of holies. You know, I get to stand up here every week in front of you and and talk. You all see me. But there are parts of me that you don't know and you don't understand. And I don't say that to be mysterious or secretive. It's just, that's just the way it is. You know, just, we don't know each other as well as uh, you know some other people. There are other people who are a little bit closer to me. In fact, I would say without hesitation, my wife knows me better than any other person on the face of the earth. Martha knows me better than anyone. But there are parts of me that even Martha doesn't know or doesn't understand. Because the truth is there's parts of me that even I don't know that I don't understand. There are parts of me that only God really understands because He created me. There are parts of me, parts of my heart, that only God sees and only God knows. The deepest part of you is the unseen part. So Jesus goes on and He says, you you need to be real with God. Just be the real you. Talk about what's important to you. Talk about what you need. Jesus said, part of that prayer was, uh, give us this day our daily bread. Ask God for the things you need. Ask God for what's on your heart. Paul's writing to the church in Philippi. He says in chapter 4, verse 6 of Philippians, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He's done. Pray about everything. Everything you're concerned about, pray about it you're looking for the right person to come into your life pray about that you looking for the right job to open up pray about that talk to God about it someone says yeah but that seems so selfish and my prayers didn't seem so selfish don't you think God already knows what your heart's desire is don't you think God already knows what really you're anxious about don't you think he knows that deepest part of you and what you long for, what you hope for, we can't send God out of the room. He knows. And I think one of the quickest ways to kill a prayer life is to pretend that we care about things that we don't care about. Well, people have asked: Is, is there some technique? Is there some posture? Is there some time of day? Is there some place? Is there some attitude that you know really make my prayers more effective? And the answer is no, 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 and no. God's not that kind of God. God's looking for a relationship with his children. And just like any relationship, as soon as it starts to get a little bit fuzzy and a little bit fake and a little bit contrived, as soon as we start coming up with the um, Miss America pageant answers, now what I'm really praying for is world peace, it kind of kills the prayer inside of me. God knows our heart. Now, there's a lot more that I could say about prayer, but just one last thought, and I think it's something that Jesus wants these people to understand, and I know it's something He wants us to understand as well. As Jesus is talking about prayer, there's a word that keeps coming up over and over again in His conversation. Take a look. Chapter 6, verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. Verse 8, you're... Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Verse 9, our Father in heaven. Chapter 7, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Now, I wish there was some way that I could stamp this on my heart. I wish there was some way that we could just really understand the significance of that word. And why God has chosen to allow us to call him Father. Jesus said, let me tell you who it is you're talking to when you're in that special place. You're talking to your Father. Almost every single day of the week, Monday through Friday, I get a phone call between 9.30 and 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. It's my daughter. Sometimes she FaceTimes, sometimes it's just a phone call. If something's going on with her or me and we don't talk between 9.30 and 10, she'll call back later. My boys call every now and then. My daughter calls every day just to tell me what's going on, what they did the night before, what the kids are doing, what they had for breakfast, you know, those kind of things. Last week Maggie called me and she, she wanted some advice. There's something going on. She said, Dad, I need your opinion. You know, and she asked me, and we talked about it a little bit, and I said, "You know, Maggie, I don't know. You're a, you're a grown girl. You'll do what you think's best, but here's how I'd handle it. I you know, gave her some advice. Before she hung up, she said what she always says. Dad, I love you. I said, I love you too, Maggie. And I hung up the phone and I sat there, and I don't know if it's just because the mood I was in. I don't know if it's because I'm working on this lesson this past week. But I sat there thinking, what would I give to have my children tell me that? How important is it to me to have my children say, I love you, Dad? How much money would I be willing to spend to have my children tell me they love me? Just to hear the words. And Jesus says, now take that feeling and multiply it by about 10 million. And that's the heart of God. So, this morning I want to encourage you to pray. Pray boldly. Pray often. No, if if you're discouraged, pray. If you feel like you've gone weeks or months or maybe even years without some situation being resolved, pray. Pray about everything. Pray continually, because you're speaking to your Father. He's your Father. Now, again, we don't want to just know stuff. We don't want to just learn things. We want to do it. So before we close this morning, we're going to have a prayer. And it's not going to be a public prayer. It's going to be a private prayer between you and and God. And I want you to search your heart. And I want you to be very open and very honest, knowing that God's been here all day. He'll be here all night. What's the biggest burden on your heart right now? What are you most anxious about? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a a parent, or maybe it's a son or a daughter. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a health issue, or yours or someone that you love. Maybe it's finances. Maybe there's some shame and guilt you've been carrying around. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a betrayal. I'm going to ask you in just a minute to bow your head just right where you are and take it to the Father. Don't worry about saying the right words. Don't worry about having some kind of form to your prayer. Don't worry about doing it right. Just say, God, here's my heart. In all my brokenness, here's my heart. Here's what I'm bringing to you. And then bring your whole self in your whole heart, in your whole mind, before the Lord, with maybe this morning a a renewed awareness of how close our Father really is. Let's pray. as you were wrapping up that prayer. I know that for some people that's really awkward and that's really uncomfortable. And I know for some people you're thinking, I don't know exactly what to say. I don't know exactly what to ask for. I, I, I feel so insignificant. Again, we're in the presence of our Father. And God listens to our heart. And God knows what we need before we ask him. So pray boldly. We've got a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement. Maybe you need prayers of your church family. Maybe something that's going on in your life. Just really understand you know, there's power in prayer. There's power in your prayer. And you're asking people to be praying for you. If we're the family, we can help you in any way. We're going to use a song of encouragement. Just come to the front and let us know how we can help you. Let's stand and sing.